0: from hong kong chicago and the city of stoke-on-trent this is the classic lenses podcast hello and welcome to episode 120 my name is simon forster and i'm joined by johnny Sisson and perry g hello johnny hello and hello perry hello are you sure it's not episode 120 millimeters <laughs> <laughs> that would make so many people happy but uh, yeah in, in in this case it's not um I, I did have a 120 millimeter lens once um, for 35 mil because I just realised I've actually got a 135 millimeter Biometar for um, Pentacon Six, which I might even talk about today because I've had the photographs back. Um, but also there's a Super Takamar 120 uh, 3.0, no, 2.8 uh, for when 135 millimeters just ever so slightly too long, um, so you can. I, I never never quite got why they made that lens and strangely enough they didn't carry on after after uh, screw mount although i don't know they might have done one on a, a very early K out maybe i don't know but uh, more far more important than that is uh, how's the weather in chicago johnny
1: um it is sunny and it is going
0: to be warm again today excellent it's 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 really nice here today as well which is which is good news the sun was out it was cold earlier and it's gone absolutely beautiful now um and what's it like in hong kong it is hot as balls (laughs) it has been like 32 to 34 degrees
2: for the last couple of days and i've been out shooting a bunch and oh my god yesterday i was out shooting and my face mask was just it was like i had jumped in a swimming pool it's disgusting Wearing a mask in, like, 95% humidity, 33%, uh, 33 percent, thirty three degrees, and uh, direct sun is, is not fun. Yeah.
0: So you've been having the film sweats.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The film sweats, the everything sweats. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, tell us a bit more about uh, the Hong Kong scene this week then, Perry.
2: Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, I- I'm crazy busy these days because everything has kind of uh, come back work-wise. So I think I'm going to be, like, Super sleep deprived for the next six weeks. But I, I've been out shooting a whole bunch. Um, I was out shooting with my X Pan the other day, because uh, it was a nice day and it was nice light. And you know, that's always a good time. That's always fun. And then when I got back, I finally got around to testing that uh 35mm 2.8 uh, PC shift lens on the X Pan. And what I really wanted to try was the first time that I the first time I tried that lens, I basically guessed the distance which is fine when you're kind of three meters and beyond, but up close, I failed spectacularly. Um, so I ended up getting a water meter that I've never actually used. But this time, yeah, I stuck the water meter at like 0.55 meters, which is closer than most X-Pan lenses will couple, Transfer the distance to the scale, and uh, it worked pretty much perfectly. So that's that's super cool. I got to actually you know, now get motivated to use that lens for something. That the uh, the image circle of that lens, because the Xpan negative is sixty five millimeters wide, the image circle almost covers that. So I figure that if there's a way to get this on a six by six camera somehow and get the flange distance right, it could pretty much cover a six by six medium format too. That's my hunch.
0: Well, that's, that's, that sounds pretty cool. Have you? Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering if you have you ever well, have you ever tried the 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 shine flug principle uh, with with that lens? The what? No. The shine flu principle.
2: uh, Sounds like something you do with a fish.
0: Yeah, and uh, don't ask me to spell it because it's even harder to spell than it is to say. Um, That's a a principle in large format photography where if you tilt uh, the lens in a direction, then you you, uh, affect the plane of focus. So you can uh, Uh. increase, um, well... you sort you can sort of increase the depth of field. You're not, but you're given the perception of increasing the depth of field. Um, so you can focus on something that's relatively close and and lay the plane of focus down a bit, so you actually get more focus about what's going on behind it uh, for the for, for the same given aperture.
2: Uh, that, that wouldn't work in this case because it's only a shift lens and it doesn't have tilt.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. Um, although, you know, now that you've said that, I don't see why in principle it wouldn't be possible to put a 35 millimeter format tilt shift lens on and achieve oh. the same uh, type of image circle.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, that's what Clyde Butcher does, right? Exactly. Well, he doesn't use it for the image circle. He just likes the movements, but they would still have a larger circle.
0: Yeah, was that was something we never we didn't actually go into too much detail on that. But I'm just wondering, with with large format, there's very little tilt you actually use, generally speaking, to to get that effect. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just wondering if if you need to relatively speaking, use more tilt or or even less tilt with a with a smaller format.
2: I, I've never used a tilt shift lens on a 35 millimeter. Um, I don't know have you guys, Johnny, Simon.
1: What uh... A shift lens, a 35? tilt shift
2: lens, and the, the oh. tilt movements to like mess with the uh, depth of field.
1: I've messed around with them in the shop, but I've never. So had do, you a, do you
2: need do you need a very small tilt movement to kind of get like infinite plane of focus up close?
1: I mean the the, the the like if you look at like the Canon tilt shift lenses, I mean they're they're built to accommodate a specific you know amount so they 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 still cover you know
0: i know that i've uh, i've and i've been threatening to do this um i've got a so i got a snyder uh tilt not tilt shift lens 35mm f4 uh, kurtagon um, Yeah. excellent lens and um mm-hmm. i've got a, a sony to mm-hmm. m42 um shifted uh, tilt adapter and the problem is that it doesn't quite line up in the in, in the correct position. Uh, I'm not sure if I can actually adjust that either. Um, so the the vertical tilt is a is a bit off to one side, which is uh, yeah, it's hugely annoying actually. Um, but I'm gonna have, I need to I need to give that a go because it's the only the only thing is though it really makes shift sorry tilt really makes a difference with a longer uh, focal length. Um, because that's when you've you've got less depth of field to play with and therefore it's mm-hmm. more important to be using it because you you need it i mean that's the reason why why it's there to some degree so with a um a wider lens you've already got a great deal more um depth of field to play with in the first place so therefore um i say wider lens a shorter focal length is a better way of saying it um so you've you've got more depth of field to play with so there's probably less need to actually put the shift in there um but what you could do i guess is if you put far more shift than is sensible then you can perhaps start to get those uh those tilt shift diorama effects uh, oh, with, yeah. with, with that lens so that'd be pretty cool the kind of miniaturization yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah
2: well i definitely wouldn't do that with an x-pan because it's totally impractical but th- there's no reason why in principle um if i could get a nikon f-mount tilt adapter i could do it on my sony the same way
0: that you're thinking of doing with your uh your Kurtigon. What well you say being practical i mean that uh, actually the x-pan has got probably got more scope to actually make use of the t- uh, the uh, the uh, the tilt in in portrait mode because you'll be able to actually see more of the effect of it because you're actually narrowing the bit that's actually in focus to the centre of the of the image and you're blurring the top and the bottom of the image far more.
2: Uh, I guess so. How would you control where, like, does that always take place just in the centre when you tilt? Because it's a rangefinder, right? Yeah. So I won't be able to see the effect of the rangefinder.
0: No, that's, I mean, you're just going have to have to guess at it. But the, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be in the centre, especially if you're not using rise and fall on it um so so by nature it's got to be in the center because it's it's tilted on the axis of the the central axis so i'm pretty sure that means it has to be in the center of the image
2: so so you're you're thinking a vertical pano with nothing in focus in the top and bottom like 80 percent of the image
0: exactly and just a just a thin horizontal line of focus right down the (laughs) middle of it It needs to be done Perry. you can you can do this (laughs) all right i'll try i'll try to think of some
2: Artistic <laughs> appl- application. I literally can't think of any photograph where that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we have faith in you, Perry. You can do it.
2: All right, get the, get those creative juices flowing. Um, so yeah, so so apart from that, um, which is always fun. The uh, I, I've you know been out shooting with my rangefinders. Um, nothing new to report there, other than the twenty one biogun is still awesome. Uh, and I went out shooting with my WACAL 35 millimeter f 3.5 LTM lens on my M6 as well. Uh, and a shout out to Johnny here for bailing me out on the filters uh, with that thing, because I was gonna go out and look for a 34 millimeter filters uh, and essentially get a set of 34 millimeter filters. But there was a um, the lens came with a 34 millimeter step up ring but no hood or anything to attach into that step up ring. And like 43 millimeter filters didn't fit because uh, they were too small and 46 f- millimeter filters didn't fit because they were too big. Um, but John told me that that's because it's for series six filters uh, and then sent me a lovely eBay link to a full set of series six filters with an adapter for the Leica 51.5 Sumerit as well, which is super hard to find. Uh, so those, I bought that right away and those are zipping their way over from uh, wherever they are we're listed on eBay?
1: Cool, cool, cool. Yeah,
2: the Siri system. You know, I know you've been trying to get me to use it for ages instead of trying to get you know a set of filters for every size. And right. I think something just clicked, and it was like, wait, this finally makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's it 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 makes a lot of sense, especially for older odd rangefinder lenses and older odd exacta lenses it's you know strange sizes yeah um it's super easy
2: i think also the more lenses you have the more sense it makes
1: yeah right right
2: because you know I, I i've gotten to the point where if if i get a set of filters for every size um it it gets absurd
1: yeah it's crazy right right, right. that's that's the idea exactly yep yeah people used to you know, you figure back in the day people didn't have as many lenses because <laughs> mm. the stuff was new and really expensive. Mm. But if somebody had a, you know, a camera with two lenses and maybe they had a movie camera um, for doing cine stuff, they could, in theory, have basically one set of filters for everything and just, you know, swap them out with different adapters on each lens. So, yeah, it definitely you know, if you've got five lenses that are different sizes, you can have one set of filters rather than five sets of filters.
2: Yeah. And looking at the sizes, it seems like between series six, series seven and series nine. Yeah. uh, Or like between series six and nine, you could pretty much cover. You can cover every. every. Yeah. Standard.
1: Yeah. And that's some, some, uh, some of them are series five, some of the older, like a lot of the TLR. The smaller TL, TLR uh, lenses, like the 3.5s mm-hmm. and stuff, those are Series 5. So series five covers a lot of a lot of ground too. And then the smaller ones are pretty much for like Cine cameras.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of cinematographers still use uh series filters on their lenses. Yeah.
1: It's just it's just so much it's just so much easier. So I mean, plus they're they're nice too because they're they're you know they're kind of vintage to the lens. So you're using a filter made in the same era as the lens and i i don't know i find that the series filters i mean there were a lot of different makers of them and they all kind of have a, a slightly different look which is nice so i feel like it adds to the rendering as well
2: yeah and they're super cheap like a yeah, series they're filters, way cheap dirt cheap compared to um native filters but i know what you mean about uh having filters of the same vintage because there's um I have a uh, original zeiss icon uh 40.5 millimeter yellow filter that i yeah. use on my like contacts rf mount lenses and i really like using that filter because it just it looks better yeah on those lenses with the same color lip
1: yeah I've, i have some really old um voigtlander filters and mm-hmm. some older uh zeiss felt like 40.5 yeah stuff you know and they they're really they have really nice look to them and they all look they just all look a little i mean like a yellow number one filter from voigtlander is going to look different than you know one that somebody else made they all have a slightly different look to them
2: isn't that annoying
1: no i uh, no, i don't think so i mean because it 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 i feel like you can kind of pair up the exact filter with the exact lens you want you know
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I guess that gives you more options if you learn the ins and outs of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was talking to um, Mike Epstein about this because he's also, he's never really heard of this system um, or or, or kind of at least dove into the intricacies of it. Um, And, you know, Simon, you said that it's fairly counterintuitive compared to native filters.
0: It's... It's just one of those things that it takes a while to get your head around, especially when you're looking at the parts and uh, yeah. well, where does the, where does the hood fit into all of this? And if I, if I use the hood, does that mean I don't need this bit now? And uh, um, so it just, I <laughs> you know. I think if you,
1: if you put one together once, I think you've figured that out because it's just, yes. it's just three things. I mean, it's, it's a adapter that has a threaded size on the back that fits the lens The front size is the filter size. So it's going to be like series six on the front and say 34 millimeters on the back.
0: And then (laughs) you're losing people already, Johnny.
1: (laughs) No, it's no, it's no, it's the the thread size on the back. It's an adapter. It just threads onto the front of the lens. So if your lens is 34 millimeters, the thread size is 34 millimeters. It's just like a step up ring. It's no different. So the front size is series six. So series six filters are all the same size and and you're done. So it's just putting an adapter on the lens and then you put the filter in the adapter and then you can either put on a hood or a retaining ring to keep the filter in. So it's just, it's, 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 if you've made, if you've ever made a sandwich, (laughs) it's, it's that (laughs) difficult. It's a piece of bread with some stuff in the middle and another piece of bread
3: and
0: you're done. It, it it does make you wonder how these different filters for exactly the size of thread for the lens caught on. It does, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah because it's one of those things where when someone explains the series system to you, you know, it, the it, the first time I encountered it, it confused the hell out of me. Um, I think mean, one of my my Nikkor, first Nikkor lenses I bought it came with a series seven uh, or series eight filter adapter and hood, and I was like, what the hell is this thing? What's this for? Why? Why yeah. does it come apart? Why is there an extra piece? Um, but once you put it together, it is. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense and it's fairly intuitive. I think. Yeah, um, you just, just got to
1: do it once, and then it makes sense. I can understand why it's. It. I can understand why it's uh, confusing at first because it's you're used to a filter having right a thread on the back and there's a piece of glass inside the ring. Yeah, but. And then, then, but filters, threaded filters are really no different. It's just, uh, it's an all in one piece versus a modular piece. That's the only, because that if you buy a B, B plus W filter, it has a retaining ring on the front of the filter. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just flush and it's small because it's not meant to be removed, right? Mm -hmm. It's no different. It's exactly the same construction. It's just the, the series system is meant to be interchangeable.
2: Right. Whereas the modern ones are there so they can sell you more.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why I say it's I think it I think I think the manufacturers realized there was way more money to be made selling people five filters rather than one filter. (laughs) So
2: is it true that the profit margin on filters for retailers is like way higher than the profit margin on some of the lenses that they sell? Oh, God, yeah.
1: Oh god yeah yeah there's no profit margin I I've, I've talked about I think I've talked about this before I mean if you sell a let's say you sell a you know a a, a Nikon you know I
2: knew you were going to say Nikon <laughs>
1: Well it could be Canon it's the same if you get any just any any new DSLR right yeah. or mirrorless for that matter any, anything new that's coming from the manufacturer, they set the price. You, 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 have no, you have no ability to change the price from what they set the price at. And they set the discounts. And the discount comes off the top of what the dealer would make off the product. Mm. And if you order it from Nikon, you never get reimbursed. You get reimbursed a new product. So in other words, your next order, they take your dealer profit and put it towards you ordering more product from Nikon. So you never actually make money on new cameras. <laughs> and, and what's worse is the money that you would make is like on a, on a new $1,500 camera and lens, like let's say you buy a camera and a kit lens, the dealer makes about $50. Yeah. So yeah, you, on a filter, let's say you, you, you buy a filter and the filter costs $40, the filter costs the dealer about four dollars. So yeah, you make way more profit on filters and lens caps than you do on gear, which right. is why there are no camera shops in a and nutshell. You,
2: yeah, and that's yeah. probably one of one reason why the series uh, system went away because you can just buy it once.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what, who? That doesn't do anybody any good if you can buy something one time and not have to buy it five times. <laughs>
0: that's not capitalism damn it you know you know the thing
2: Oh, sorry go on simon
0: i was just gonna say because you're not gonna have just buy one one filter uh series filter you you, for for one lens and okay i'm gonna swap my lenses now and i'm gonna swap my series filter over onto onto that lens i'm about to start using but you 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 can though like i mean
1: all you need is in another another i do that all the time i carry i carry pre assembled adapter lens, you know, adapters and I can just swap
2: it to another camera. Right. You just need the rear piece to be lens specific. You, right. So all you need is, you
1: yeah, you just, you just need the adapter and then you, you just drop in the, the filter. So it, I mean, it's, 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 it's so people typically they would buy a new lens and they would buy a a set of filters to go with it, which would generally be, you know, yellow,
0: red, green, but you can do the same if you if you're, uh, I don't know, a, a contacts user like myself. I could just yeah. get myself one fifty-five millimeter filter.
1: Yeah, assuming all your lenses are fifty-five millimeters. Well, you could.
0: All, all my contacts lenses are. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the and the manufacturers got better about that, but that was not always the case. So, like, it's like the way that Olympus and Minolta are mainly forty-nine millimeter, right? Mm. They, a lot of the manufacturers started to to settle on one size for that reason. Um, but it's not it, it for uh, people like us who have loads of different lenses from different eras and different sizes. You can go nuts buying, you know, one of everything. So I think that's where the biggest benefit is if you have, you know, multiple systems, or if you if you were somebody who was buying a, you know, a kit of lenses back in the late fifties, early sixties, they were much less standardized. So it made a lot more sense at that point in time to buy one set of filters and just buy one or two adapters based on the lenses that you had. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it, you know, you just have to look at it kind of from the era that they were made for. Right. So it's it's a different equation now because yeah, there's a lot more standardization in sizes, but that just wasn't always the case.
2: The thing the thing that turned me off series filters for the uh, most for the most part is they tend to be silver. Um, yeah,
1: you can get you can get black rings though, you know. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, the
2: one you sent me has a black front retaining ring, and so that's what sort of sold me on it. Other yeah. than the Sumerit size, and then I I kind of <laughs> Simon's face palming. <laughs> Uh, and then i I went on ebay and i discovered that you can get black uh adapters and retaining rings so i'm I'm willing to give this a try now
1: yeah you can you can get them in black or silver yes you can
2: no No problemo problemo. (laughs) they suck less now all good (laughs) um hey this is a real thing uh the it is the, the price of um of silver lenses in hong kong is substantially lower than black equivalents even oh, if I they're know. not like fancy Leica stuff. Yeah. Wow. People, people know. People know. Uh, so <laughs> filter aside, um, you know, in those cameras, I was shooting a, a bulk rolled RPX 400 that um, someone I know just bulk rolled for me and uh, sold them to me for cheap. And I think never again. Um, because even though I didn't bulk roll them myself, I got to say, it, it seems like just a huge pain because one of my favorite things about rpx 400 is that it doesn't curl at all uh compared to triax after i develop it and hang it up to dry but this bulk rolled stuff curls like crazy and it made me realize that a large part of the curl is not necessarily inherent to the emulsion uh but like to the way that it's spooled into the canister and sort of how tightly it's wound
0: um oh that that's isn't that counterintuitive though as in a, a bulk, if it's bulk rolled, then yeah. it's been sitting on a le- effectively less tightly wound uh, cylinder. Right. Is it not?
2: You would think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this bulk rolled stuff curls like crazy. Whereas the uh, fresh RPX 400, when I buy it after I develop it and dry it, it dries perfectly flat and it's a beauty to scan. Uh, but this stuff curls almost as bad as Tri-X, and it's it's uh, it's not worth it. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know if the, the guy's, like, t- tightening it, um, you know, rolling it real tight into the canister, which I don't think so, because it's not like there are a bunch of extra frames. It's 36 consistently. um. So I, I don't know what causes that. But it makes me think that a lot of the curl of a specific film comes from, uh, I don't know, is it batch-specific? Like, have you guys had this where the same film curls and doesn't curl in different batches?
0: I hardly use the same film twice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's better, better for Johnny to answer that one.
1: I mean, I've heard people say that, you know, but I, I, I mean, unless, if it's fresh film, it should all be the same. Unless the, unless the, unless you're talking about film where they change the, um, the base layer, which has happened that manufacturers have changed the base and then it, you know, curly versus not curly. Um, but it, it, it should be the same with any film that's in current production.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not expired. It expires in, uh, 2022. Yeah. Um, and I, I've just finished, you know, shooting a bunch that expired in 2021, but all of the boxed film that I've purchased of this type is very consistently flat. Mm. Um, But this stuff isn't. So, I mean, it's RPX 400. It says it on the the sprockets after I develop it. So I know it's not like some weird substitute. But if anyone, uh, if any of the film nerds out there know what might be going on with that curl, let us know. Because it's it's annoying. And then finally, uh, I went shooting at night um, for the first time in a while. And I was frozen with a bit of, I've had a bit of gear paralysis this week where, you know, before going out to shoot. I'm just looking at all the cameras and lenses I have, and I'm like, what should I use? And I just don't know. Uh, So I grabbed something totally random, and I went out with a Contax S2, uh, which is right up Simon's alley, um, with the 51.4 planar and the 28 2.8 Distagon. So, you know, Simon Forster-style lenses. And I shot with them at night. You know, the the camera feels really good. It was a good shooting experience, but... When I got the results back, two things. Uh, Most of my shots were either out of focus or had some uh, camera shape, which is my fault. But also, those Zeiss lenses, they were way too saturated and way too contrasty. Uh, And it really kind of confirmed my hunch that on Cinestill 800T, I far, far prefer low contrast Low saturation, you know, single or uncoated lenses, um, because even though you know some of the shots that I got, they, they look good from a kind of you know detached objective perspective. Uh, it's just not the look I want with that film, and and the Zeiss lenses, they that that look doesn't work with Cinestill
0: to my eye. They really did pop. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah, I remember congratulating you at the time on just just how much those those photographs really popped and jumped out at you and they were really really arresting
2: yeah yeah i i ended up posting a bunch of comparison shots with other lenses that have more of the look that i want um but i I know what you mean like they have the high contrast right the blacks are really black but the colors because they're so saturated and contrasty um i guess it doesn't really have that cinematic look which tends to be a little more muted and and lower contrast um and you know I don't want to say that it looks fake, but that look just doesn't appeal to me as much. And I know that the Leica Summilux-Spherical, which is also a very modern-looking lens, it has the same effect when I shoot it on Cinestill, and I'm, I'm, I'm not in love with it.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I I agree. Um, the, uh, the 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 shots that you. It showed us comparisons, and uh, you could. It was. I mean, sometimes you go on about coatings and things, and I'm there thinking, "What, what on earth is Perry going on about here?" Yeah, you know, I really. I struggle at times, um, but it was very, very clear uh, with those th- those shots. Uh, the kind of look that you were trying to give, and uh, and it, it also reminds me of the look of uh, when when Johnny does um, does color shooting as well, which I wish he did more of it because I I really love his color work. Um, but it, it, it's it is that thing about uh, contrast and the, and and the colours tend to head more towards the pastel pastel shades, and yeah. um, I mean I I, I joked joked with you uh, to say that perhaps you should try more all lenses, um, and <laughs> um, but uh, no one one of the things that and I think actually to be to be fair, but I was reading through this because uh, I went back to that uh, post um, a few days ago. Uh, sorry, this 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 morning. And, and I was, and, and I arrived at a thought and Nick Lyle pretty much had already beaten me, uh, to that, to that thought. And, uh, so I'm going to put it into my, into my words really. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's the case. And that was, I was joking with you anyway, when I was saying about, you know, use, use rock hall lenses or lenses or something like that. Um, but it, it, it does come back to that point about. Um, some of the lenses the look of the shots that you like with some of your lenses are such that um, in many cases they will be especially on digital they're traditionally um, less valued uh, shall we say Um, and not just because of sharpness but because of uh, a lack of contrast and uh, and that and nick and i i think i think i think we're thinking on the, the 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 same lines here that you're going out of your way to find low contrast high value lenses when all you actually really need to do is find some really cheap arse ba- uh, lenses uh, by Prins Flex or uh, OptiMax or, uh, or or something like that and just find the, the, the cheapest preset 35mm lenses and things like that that you can find. The things that, you know, they, they, they give, they're give giving these things away. You look at them and you think, what am I going to do with that, you know? And um, I really think you should try some seriously cheap lenses and, and, and give it a try with CineStill.
2: I think you might be onto something because, you know, um, we were all talking about this beforehand. And and when you were joking about the Rokor, my favorite Cinestill lens uh, on a Leica, at least, is my Chiyoko um, 5-centimeter F2 Rokor. And I have the uh, non-Red C version. So I think it's only single-coated. And it's not an expensive lens, but it absolutely has that. And it it also makes me think of, like, the Cook Speed Pancro I got uh, a little while ago where I think what I adore about it is exactly that muted look. And you were joking, like, ah, it it has to be, um, you know, there's a certain degree of crapness that makes a lens truly desirable. (laughs) Uh, So I think there is something to that. So I went digging because, you know, rangefinder lenses are not, for the most part, super cheap. And I, I don't know if I have, that many that are just straight-up uncoated. Uh, I mean, the Leica Sumer, it looks really good, the Elmar. So I went digging through my, my lens, uh, one of my lens cabinets, and I found, attached to my 5D, uh, my original 5D classic, this truly, truly steaming pile-of-crap lens, um, which is actually the second classic lens that I ever purchased about, I don't know, maybe 13 years ago. I got it for 10 bucks. And uh, it is this Vivitar 28 millimeter f2.5. So very fast, wide angle M42 mount. Uh, the serial number 22 something. So I think it was made by, is that Kiron?
0: No. or Keep going. Uh... <laughs> this should have been one of the questions. In fact, it was one of the questions in the pub quiz, wasn't it? It was one of them, but it, but it wasn't this one. It, starts with K, right? Actually, no way. Uh, 20, 22? No, I'm thinking about it. I'm confusing 27 and 22 now because uh, was this, uh, neither of them are Tukina. I wonder if it is Co-Mine. I've, I've got it in my head that it's Co-Mine, that lens. That um, might be right. I, I, seen, no, tw- Co-Mine is 28, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, that's I'm th- pretty sure, that's sure. it's okay. See, that was a bit that confused me because I thought it was a Co-Mine lens. That, I thought it was they were the people that made that particular lens. That's what's really thrown me off.
2: Well, Google tells me that uh, twenty two is Kino Precision. Okay, which uh, that's
0: Kiron. Yeah, that is. Chiron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've not tried okay. that version then, but I've, I've definitely tried a, a different version. And at least I think I have. Anyway, you know, I'm, I'm getting old now. My memory is probably fading on me. So uh, who who knows?
2: Uh, I mean, are there are there dramatic differences uh, between the different versions of the same Vivitar lens? Because I've not you
0: know hoarded. Well, there the, <laughs> the, the certainly yeah there certainly can be i mean you you look at the the 135 lenses and there's there's several versions of the uh the vivitar 135 2.8 and you get them by tokina and uh, co mine and uh, there are vary there are variations within the lenses of the same maker so mm. um so i think the answer's got to be yes
2: Okay. Well, uh, I mean, that's interesting. I'm not going to go and buy a bunch of other Vivitar 28 millimeters, but uh, I did slap this on my Sony and I think that might be the first time I've used it in 13 years. And um, it, it's not a bad lens. You know, I, I crap on it for, for fun, but it's, the focus ring is really nice. Um, it, it's reasonably well-made, but oh boy, the corners are bad. Uh, they smear, you can see the smearing through the viewfinder of a Pentax Spotmatic, um, <laughs> so that's okay. that, that's how bad it is. Uh, but it also flares like crazy, and it is super low saturation. Um, so yeah, I might. I just I don't know if I can focus this at night because it's it's f.
0: It's, tw- it's only twenty eight millimeters though. Surely you can you can yeah. manage that.
2: Yeah, I guess so, and it is faster than the 28 distagon that I was shooting, theoretically. Hmm. Um, so, okay. Uh, well, in that case, I mean, are there any other uh, uncoded crap? I guess M42, most likely, uh, unless there are contacts with Chica mount l- lenses that I should be looking for instead of buying Cook Speed Pancro's? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I think, th- I mean, there aren't... I mean, the, the usual makes uh, did... Uh, th- third-party lenses for for contact shishika um but really it's it's more the yeah yeah heading it headed into the m42 stuff you, you do get a a wider range of rubbish uh on on that mount um, but you've got paragons i mean uh, i think super paragons quite a few of those you could get on contact shishika uh, aren't paragons
2: uh things that cults worship I don't
0: I don't I don't know what a paragon lens. Is. <laughs> well that's that's uh bemused me that one, but uh no yeah, Super Paragon. Um perhaps that that might have been the the brand name of um, when they were brought into the UK. I mean there was certainly a Japanese lens and uh, and they were a budget lens, although some of them actually were half decent, but I'm pretty sure that they do a, a thirty five two point eight uh preset. Uh yeah you like know, and there are numerous numerous versions of those preset lenses knocking about which are unif- universally rubbish um mm. so i I think they'll be they'll go head to head with the speed pancro pretty pretty well actually I would have thought
2: okay um Johnny, you sounded like you wanted to jump in there with some crap lens suggestions uh, <laughs> no, there's,
1: there's 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 plenty of crap lenses out there. Uh, don't take too much trouble to find
2: well I don't know man because like I'm looking for I I don't want bokeh right I don't want crap lens bokeh I'm looking for relatively fast wide angles for the most part uh, to shoot at night and are there that many that are like uncoated or have truly atrocious coatings to the point where you know they flare like crazy and they the colors are pretty much like almost monochrome well I don't know I would think I would
1: think that earlier preset lenses are going to come closest to that. You know, the, the really old presets, there's, there's quite a few of them out there.
0: Um, but I mean, the coatings aren't going to be as good. So, but they're not fast. That's, that's where things start to fall down. Isn't it? Um, you're not going to struggle to find a, a, a budget, um, lens faster than 2.8 really on the wide angles.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you figure 2.8 is,
2: You know, two point eight is just on the cusp.
1: Yeah, um,
2: because I can get the right exposure, but I can't really freeze movement of people. Yeah, uh, with those shutter speeds. So F two is ideal. Uh, Faster than F two, I think it's pointless because either the lens is going to be, you know, the size Uh, of a small country, or
1: yeah, there's not a lot of older F two twenty eight millimeter lens i mean other than the there's the 2.5 avatars those are older yeah that's
2: that's this one that i'm holding right here right
1: but i mean there's not a lot of f2 I, uh, 28 millimeter f2s are going to be mostly 70s aren't they i don't think there's going to be a lot of older mm-hmm. 28 millimeter f2 lenses floating around out there
2: I mean, it could be 35 it could be 50 that'd be i mean 50 f2s should be a dime a dozen um but i'm blanking on uncoated ones
1: Uh, couldn't you just get an old, uh, an old Jupiter 8 or whatever? 50 F2 Sonar? Those Some of those got to be uncoded, right? The older ones? Oh, you know what?
2: I have one. I I have uh, an LTM one. And now that you mention it, um, it really does not have very vibrant colors. Although the Sonar design was designed to increase color and saturation without coatings, Mm -hmm. like pre-coding development. So the, the formulation might kind of cancel out some of the effect that I'm looking for, right? Um, but I like that. Are there so? Yeah, I mean, if it's fifty millimeters, there's got to be loads of fast ones. Are there, is there any weird like uncoated Soviet crap uh, in the fifty
0: millimeter range? What would be the the Tesos. Well,
1: what 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 about an old um, uh, the fifty F two pre pre Any of those should be. You can definitely get those uncoated.
2: Oh, you mean like a like Sumar?
1: A, yeah, like a Sumar. Exactly. Because, oh, I mean, those are, those, are, those are kind of soft and flat.
0: That's a good I mean, I should just shoot the Sumarit because I have that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely expensive enough for you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I used to have a Sumar, um, and I regret selling it because... Um,
1: well, there you go. You need a Sumar. You need about a 1937
2: Sumar those are so freaking hard to find that uh, in good condition, like the one that I had was one of the only ones I've seen that is not just like filled with haze and scratches yeah. all over. Um, yeah. Oh, hmm. it goes in the territory, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, if, if you guys or any listeners think of any, um, any mount really, because I mean, I've got enough cameras that I could probably probably do it on anything, but if it's LTM, that's ideal. But I think as far as SLRs go, um, I gotta say the contacts are actually pretty nice for shooting at night. Um, yeah, I mean they're good. They're good cameras. What can I say? So.
0: I mean, you got the the, uh, the the pre-war Zeiss lenses as well, but most of those weren't coated. Uh, but it's whether or not you can handle that mount.
2: Oh, uh, for contacts RF?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, dude! But then I'd have to shoot at, at night. I don't know if that's yeah. doable. Um, unless, like, you're zone-focusing, but you can't really stop down, because that viewfinder sucks. Hmm. Um, so I would either have to put it on an Amadeo and use it on a Leica, which is totally doable, um, or I don't know, get an R2C. We wants to do that? That's actually a pretty good idea, a Contax RF mount, because you've got, like, the, the the Tessars, there's the Pre... Well, when, when, you, when you just kind of stepped away from the mic just now, Johnny was talking about the Jupiter 8s, but I was saying the sonar design, kind of, even if it's uncoated, the design is designed to increase saturation and contrast without coding. So I think that's not the right direction to go. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but you, you do have the you know the the the, the this is the Tessar, isn't it? The uh, the two point eight and the three point five uh, Tessars as well. Yeah, yeah. Although that's a little slow for fifty at night. I, um, yeah. I think I think you know
2: shooting cinestill at night in Hong Kong, there's enough light to fairly consistently shoot at one sixtieth of a second at, at F2 um, in, in the kind of areas that I like to go. And I think that's just on the cusp of getting like camera shake with a 50 millimeter. Uh, if I, if I
0: want a little bit more, it it strikes me that the the lenses that it's almost like a case of with the, with a the few exceptions, the lens needs to be about 80 years old or older.
2: Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking of, of old um, adapting stuff to an M forty two mount, like old uh, k- lenses ripped off of fixed lens cameras, or um, or enlarging lenses, or things like that.
3: Mm.
0: Oh, yeah, well, that's good. Oh, I was going to say it's a good point about the enlarging lenses, except that they're slow. That they're slow. You don't get fast uh, enlarging true. lenses, do you? So two is about as quick as it gets, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, projection lenses, maybe. That could be an interesting one the rips go down they are certainly fast enough and would they be coated no our our projection lens is typically coated well i've got i've got a a Leica one a light one in front of me two hundred three point six uh but that that's definitely coated but it's you know it's not it's not the uh the most coated lens I've ever seen and certainly you can get some of the older ones but you get the uh um the very old triplet uh lenses um projection lenses like i've got the emile bush if that's the correct way um neo Neo kino um, Uh uh and that's certainly not coated um and i think that would do a job for you um that works out around about i think it's about 52 1.8 ish um as a a focal length um so see that's the thing you're not going to get a wide a wide angle projection lens that's going to cover your sensor are you that's that's going to be the the issue but if you can work at fifty mil, then that that should do a job for you. Ah, okay, okay, cool,
2: cool, cool. I, I'm. This is good. Uh, number one, I succeeded in my mission today of getting Simon to admit that the Zeiss lenses were not the best tool for the job. Um, but number two, this sounds this sounds like a fun little rabbit hole to go down. Uh, yeah. because I mean, it's true that I, I think on cinema film crap lenses look better.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've got I've got I've got to agree with you. It's it's certainly the case.
2: So uh, that's that's pretty much it um, from my neck of the woods, uh, and now I'm gonna go hunting for crap lenses. That's,
0: that's <laughs> nice. uh,
2: so Simon, um, you've been you've been busy in Stoke too, eh? I
0: have, I have. Um, a, f- a few a few things happened. Um, of- oh, you're c- muted. Oh, oh, he's talking. His mouth is moving, but his mic is muted. Ah, am I back now? <sighs> yeah. I was, I was giving you so much wisdom there, it was, it was, but I'm not going to be able to repeat it. Um, yeah, I've been quite busy. Uh, I, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I mean, I bought some stuff the other week and only picked it up, uh, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday last week. Um, so I'm now the owner of a few new cameras, uh, including an I-Correx. Ooh, Just bring that back up. Um, an iCorrex 35C S. Uh, which I believe is one of the special versions of it because it's got a metered head on it. Uh, so thirty-five millimeter um, camera um, by Zeiss Icon, but it also says uh, Zeiss Icon Voigtlander on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it goes downhill from that point um, because it doesn't have an it doesn't have an Ultron on it, uh, which which would be that made me really really happy in fact i've just i just stuck my finger into the front of the lens just in case there's a concave element there that i didn't notice um but and somebody somebody was joking and just wrote tessar on it and uh, uh just just to get my hopes up but no it is a tessar um but it's decent yeah it, it's uh I, I quite like this camera it's um it's nowhere near as bad as i was expecting it to be because uh, johnny has uh dissed this camera on uh, on many occasions and it's hmm. it's it's not completely awful. Um, I've no idea if the, if the meter works, but the, um, the battery's missing from it. So that's good news. It probably takes a mercury battery to guess. I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, well, will I use it? No, I'm probably going to make lens caps from it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably yeah. its main attraction to me, to be honest. Um, uh, so there's that. And I also picked up a Contraflex, uh, camera as well. Um, and, uh, which also came with the Tessar, which you know, deep joy. Um, except uh, it is one of those lenses where the 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 Tess R, uh, where the lens uh, is split, so you have a front cell uh, that that pops off it, and uh, the uh, the lens the, so the camera retains a number of elements in the uh, in the camera itself, and then you would t- so you would just ch- be changing front cells. So you have got this lens, and I think there's. Uh, there's certainly a longer lens, maybe a couple of longer lenses and maybe a wider lens uh, that goes onto these counterflexes and again, I'm quite surprised by how not rubbish it is um, so I, I thought I was going to hate it um, and I, I, I quite like both of them really um, so that's good, but at the end of the day that's more lens caps that are going to get made so that's the the main reason for those um, but the other thing that's, that's simon that's yeah.
2: the uh, that's the the BM mount right yes. So those cameras I've always thought are kind of nice when I play with them in shops. It's just that the mount is a huge pain in the butt to adapt to digital.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, I think Kip will make one. In fact, I think I've got an adapter, which I I bought once thinking I was going to be getting the lens and it never actually happened. So um, I've not actually tried it. You know what? I can reach over and just try. Let's, Let's see. Oh, no, 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 no. That's for... Oh, no, it's just... Yeah, I correct. So here we go it's first time ever i'm gonna see if i can mount this on so how do i get the thing off that's a good point it's it's like a safe.
1: yeah go yeah on. it's like a cannon to breach like that's it
0: your your favorite mount johnny Yep. okay so that looks like it should go <laughs> on there well that, that yeah that's easy enough so there you go i can i can use this test now if i really wanted to on my sony
2: where did you find that adapter?
0: Uh it'd be on eBay, but it's uh it's a kipon adapt- adapter adapter.
2: Oh. Th- those are quite scarce, right? Because I've I've definitely had a couple of people um locally uh pick up ask me about this because they picked up the Ultron because it's like a legendary lens. Hmm. And then they're like, How the hell do I adapt this to an, a real camera? Yeah. Uh, uh, I
1: don't- the easiest one to find is just an EOS adapter. So you can put it on EOS and then you can put it from EOS to
2: Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, to stack adapter. just find something that it'll go right. on, and then adapt that. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Plus, if you if you do it that way, you've got a chance of putting it onto a helicoid as well. Uh, right. If you feel, exactly. You know, if you want want those bokeh shots like Johnny goes for, so yep. like, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, that, that, that goes on fine. I've, I don't know how easy they are to find them by Kipon these days or how much they are, but this was quite reasonably priced at the time. I've noticed the Kipon adapter seems to have gone very expensive, um, recently. So, uh, so, uh, no, I don't know. But, yeah, that seems to be fine. Um, but the other, the other camera that I picked up, uh, and this was actually the main reason for, for winning this lot at auction. Um, it was a contacts, I think it was a contacts S, um, but it's uh, uh, but it had on it um, a Biotor um, a 58 F2 uh, Biotar T coated Yana um, lens, um, yeah. and uh, which I've I've had a couple in the past, and they've they've frankly they've never actually particularly wowed me. Uh, compared to uh, a number of uh, helios 44 versions that that i've had (laughs) and uh, in particular my favorite uh, helios 44 is the one that's just called a helios 44 um, which is on the zm 39 mount so the uh, the 39 millimeter slr mount uh, for Mm. Zenit cameras uh, which (sighs) makes it a bit of a pain um because you just want to be able to just work on m42 now you can put an m42 step-up ring to it um but it, it you don't get an infinity focus with it sometimes you can but that's probably more down to sample variation than it is uh, for how it's meant to be um but this one it just goes straight on because it's it's m42 it's from the, uh, the i think it's actually the original m42 mount camera uh, the the contacts i believe um <laughs> And uh, but this particular one, it's the second version. I know it's the second version because I I read or reread read uh, Shire Morrison's um, uh, article on uh, on yeah. lenses, and uh, this is the one that he describes as the manual uh, lens. Because I think the one that came before it was a preset, and then this uh-huh. one is a, uh, a a manual one, and, uh, and it has seventeen blades, uh, which is which is wonderful, of course, because we all need more blades. Um, and I was and I, I was thinking myself. I'm, I'm, does it really matter how many blades it is? Because I, I, this is absolutely the kind of lens that I would use wide open, um, and just yeah, you're going to get most of the the character out of it, and, and so on and so on. But I'm actually currently using it as we speak as my webcam today, which um, which nobody will ever see. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I have actually stopped it down because I've I've learned from using my heliar lens uh wide open which is an f 2.4 lens the 2.4 is about the right uh it gives me the the right um uh depth of field uh for where i've positioned the camera mm. and when i've tried other uh lenses in the you know standard lenses and i've stopped it down a little bit because i was i was trying it with uh what was i trying the other day uh possibly the 50 uh canon 50 ltm uh, 1.4 and and i could i've the way I have my camera set up is so that it blurs out the incredibly horrible background that 's behind me and um, so therefore I have to have it pretty pretty wide open um, but to, i don 't want it too wide open, but when I stopped it down to two point four which i've realized is probably the optimum amount, I could then see the shapes of the of the aperture rings um, which i didn 't particularly care for um, so i 've just done exactly the same with this this, this biotar and I've got roundness going on behind me. Um, mm-hmm. I can't see the blade. So um, so within a few days of saying, well, who cares about having 17 blades? Well, actually, I'm using it, you know, rarely actually using a lens to stop it down a little and still getting my round bocables or roundness certainly going on anyway, because the things that are behind me aren't really round, but uh, you get the gist.
2: Yeah, you can see a little bit of the, uh, the Biotar swirl in the top corner there. Can you? Okay. <laughs> a, little, a, a little bit. And there's, there's a bunch of stuff to the uh, top right of the window. Okay. Um, and they seem to be swirling a little bit. But then, it, you know, at f2.4, I think you get away with stopping down even more because your eyebrows are out of focus. Your eyes. <laughs> your nose and
0: eyebrows are out of focus. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 that's fine by me. That's fine by me. So, uh, but I, I took it out and took a, a few pictures in the garden. Uh, a couple of days ago and i put the pictures up in uh, our facebook group and also in photography with classic lenses and they are straight uh raw to jpeg um shots i've done absolutely nothing to them and uh, so i don't actually know whether it's this genius of a lens or whether just the the lighting conditions just happened to be absolutely perfect at the time when i when i took them yeah. um but there was just no need to touch touch the images at all which is it doesn't happen very often that um, but uh, I, i'd like to i sort of like to think it's this lens but i i get the feeling it was probably the lighting conditions and unless you and and this has always been one of those things about um subjective opinions about lenses is that you would pick a lens up and it looks amazing, and then you 're thinking well that 's just an amazing lens, and you 're not necessarily trying anything else out at that time, so you 've got nothing truly to judge it against so mm. I, but at this moment i 'm thinking yeah this this really is a good lens, and it might actually supplant my uh, my, my helios has been my favorite biotor
2: yeah it's a it 's a really nice lens. I shot my my black one a couple of weeks ago and it's the only lens I've used that's made Fuji superior extra 400 look good. Um, so it's nice. It's, it's nice in color as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And of that it, camera, Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, and it is a, it is a coated lens. It is a, well, it's not a T star, uh, but it's no. a, it's got, it's got the T marking on there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it, it does have a little bit of that. I mean, the colors are a little on the muted side, which I quite like. Um, when I've shot that on Ultramax indoors, in particular, uh, if you have you know slightly warmer lighting or mixed lighting, it looks really, really nice. Um, like that sort of pastely color we were talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah. But the the camera it came on is also super sweet.
0: It says it doesn't work, unfortunately.
2: Uh, I've always thought those set cameras are some of the best looking. Uh, yeah. The contacts S and the Contacts D. They just look like they're chiseled out of yeah. a solid block of metal, and I and I love the way they look.
0: Yeah, I was, I was very disappointed to just, just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful looking thing. Um, But unfortunately uh, I I haven't actually checked to see how much they're worth just to see if it's actually worth uh, repairing it or, uh, or letting it, letting it go. I'll just, is my audio going okay? Because it's. um, You've just, you've just muted. Am I unmuted now?
2: Now you're unmuted. I heard.
0: Yeah yeah sorry it was flashing for some reason it was going on going on and off that was really, really yeah late. yeah you,
2: your your voice cut out a little bit um okay. after you
0: said repair yeah so i'm just wondering whether or not to get it repaired or not so uh um I'll, I'll i'll check on that so um so they they are some of the things that i picked up and then the other the other thing that i, I bought this week um Oh, here having, we go. Yeah, um, having I think I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week or not, but uh, certainly we were we were talking about um Exacta mount uh, cameras, um, yeah. and I I did not buy uh, the Exacta um, 500 or was it a thousand or, or RTL thousand whatever, whatever that camera was. It, it didn't happen. Um, right. And <laughs> um, yeah, and it and it's you know, it's one of those things. It serves the seller right. Uh, because i offered him the amount of money or she uh, the amount of money that uh, it was it was listed for as a as a as a best offer and uh, and it was declined and um at the end of the uh, listing uh nobody actually put a bid on it um so and i think it's still actually on, on sale at the moment so um and you know sometimes when i when i i put a bid on something and it, it gets de- des- gets declined i sort of feel like i don't want to put another bid on now i, you know, I just it just just puts me off um, but fortunately um i'm not fretting over losing that that camera because i bought um a minolta um x500 uh, which uh, just happened to be uh, with when I, I dropped in to see my camera repairman for the first time since lockdown. And I just it goes, Have you got an X500? And he goes, Yeah, we have. And uh, he, he, serv- he serviced it in front of me and changed changed the uh, changed the seals and um, we did a deal. Um, so I've got a very, very nice uh, X500, a uh, black and chrome one. And I, I always thought most of these were actually in black. I don't know which is the more desirable of the two. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I quite i like this black and black it's, they say black and chrome don't they but it's not, it's not chrome at all um it's you know it's a matte silvery satiny kind of kind of uh, finish but um i mean i've 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 had a fair bit of uh um negative uh things to say about minolta um, lenses in, in my time um but you never would have heard me say anything bad about minolta cameras because i actually quite like minolta cameras um and this x500 is is no exception um it's a little bit lighter than the uh, than the older minolta cameras and i think some people prefer the older ones and i can understand that why why they would do but i i like electronic cameras um and it's interesting when when perry earlier was saying about um, making me happy with the going out with the contacts S was it S one or an S two. You've got pair pair
2: S two. The only mechanical one.
0: Yeah, and that's that's almost the least desirable contacts for me because it's got no. <laughs> I like electronic contacts cameras. I think that for me, that's why I love uh, the contacts cameras because I think they just <laughs> you know the the electronics the you know, how we, how they did things. You know, I, I just love that side of things. I like I like gadgets. I like gizmos, and you know I've got manual cameras, which which are great. But I I love electronic cameras. I I th- I think they're just absolutely fantastic things. Um, it's a shame this has got a, a shutter speed dial on it. You know, it could do with like a something just to make it. Um,
2: you know, wait, uh, wait, move be- along. wait, before you talk about the Minolta, I mean, we we have to address the elephant in the room here, right? you're talking about contacts cameras you've just spent like a few minutes waxing lyrical about how you love electronic cameras i mean obviously there's one electronic contacts camera uh that therefore you should get
0: okay. oh well yeah well would you we'd be talking about the g2 now i, I, I take it
2: that's right i didn't even yeah. say it yeah
0: and and you and, you, and you're right but as I, as I've said last last I don't know if I mentioned it last week probably the week before um, I have a G two that's on loan to me at this moment and I've had it since since lockdown um, and uh, and it's it's not been used it's it's sat on the shelf and uh, and uh, I really need to get in touch with Gilbert Townsend who's, uh, who's who kindly lent this camera to me. Um, but i've I've come to the conclusion it's uh, for me that camera is a travel camera
2: yeah i was um, going to say that's that's yeah. more to do with the lockdown part than the context g2 part
0: exactly yeah I, I look across at the camera and it's it's every bit as desirable as it ever was i think it's a, a wonderful piece of uh, machinery uh lovely electronics on it um wow. and uh but it's yeah, I've just it's it's just so far removed from any of the kind of photography that I actually want to take at this mm-hmm. moment in time so it's it's an irrelevance to me it seems
2: tell you what i I just inspired by you um, I got my girlfriend to dig out her dad's old contacts g2 set uh, which has the 28 the 45 the 90 and the zoom mm-hmm. uh, and I will find some time to because we're not on lockdown here I'm gonna find some time to go and shoot that thing uh, and see if I can see what all the fuss is about yeah, it's cuz I've only held it but never actually used uh that thing.
0: I'm I'm predicting you won't like it. Um,
2: yeah, I don't think I will either.
0: So I'm I'm not entirely sure if there are any people out there that like likers and like contacts G2s. Um so they they seem to be a polar opposites of the same thing. I think Rob Jameson likes both.
1: Yeah, he Rob Robbie likes both of them. Yeah, but he um, likes
0: he likes the G1 and that's rubbish.
1: Yeah, he likes. To, it's oh
0: God. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's rubbish. <laughs> it's the same camera, but it's smaller and it it does the same shit. It it no, it's not. It really it. it oh, yeah. yeah, okay, you're right.
0: Yeah, it's a piece. Of, it's a piece of garbage. Don't buy it. Spend more money on the more expensive one. The big, the biggest thing difference for 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 me. Uh, actually, just just ergonomically it's better on the, with the g2 but the other the other thing is um it's just the way that you control the manual focus uh with the g2 um because although it's autofocus i i why? What, what what what, why why
2: would you why would you manual focus that
0: thing <laughs> exactly be, because you need to um so
2: because autofocus
0: sucks and the viewfinder's yeah, crap right exactly I, I, I can't be doing i can't be doing with autofocus and it doesn't always work <laughs> um so um you know i i, I took a portrait shot of uh, somebody uh and and it 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 back focused. I'm thinking, how how could it just miss the focus? I even it was sent, center positioned as well, Um, but it but it but it did. Um, But I I find it very very intuitive to manually focus that lens with the with the little dial, which is it's effectively the same way as you would focus the old the old style uh, contact rangefinder cameras. You know, it, it it works in a very similar kind of way. And I find how does that really it easy. indicate? how does it indicate to you that
2: the manual focus is in focus?
0: Right. You've got a, a uh, like a, a bar that you see at the, uh, on, on at the, in the viewfinder and right. uh, you're moving the bar towards a central position. And so if it's right. over to the left, that means that you're, uh, um your the, the left-hand side is the near focus and the far side is the, uh, is, is the far focus um, extent of the, uh, the range of the, the, uh, of the, of the, uh, of the focus. Um, I'm just trying to remember now, if I, if actually changes when you, because it's, it works in a similar kind of way to the, to the contacts are, um, Rx, which has got a effectively an electronic rangefinder in it as well. And it uses the same me- methodology that, uh, you can hone in on the focus by moving the, moving the, uh, the bar, which you're moving with the, with the focus ring on the camera, but with the G2 you're, you're moving a little dial. Um, on the on the top of the camera, um, but I just found it really easy to 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 do it that way. Now the question is, was that actually any more accurate than the autofocus? Because I suppose you're thinking, well, aren't the two using the same, the same thing? Um, yeah. which they may be. Um, so I don't know.
2: It's it's like those beep adapters on Canon DSLRs, you know? Yeah. Um, where it's exactly the same system, and so if the autofocus is off and the manual focus is just. You know, you're doing the same thing, but slower. Yeah. And the camera is still telling you when it thinks the thing is in focus. So if it's off, then like auto and manual are both going to be off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels good. So, so
2: why would you manually focus with it's, that thing?
0: It, it feels good. You know, it, it feels like, it, it feels intuitive to me. No, man, it's like having a car and then pushing it from behind. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just a more tactile experience, isn't it? <laughs>
2: All right. <laughs> okay, you can talk about your Minolta now then.
0: Okay. Um well I'm 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 really I'm really liking this uh, this this X500 and we, when we we were chatting earlier uh, I was saying that it actually has a feel that's quite similar to um the the 1980s uh, uh Yashica uh cameras. You know, it's a similar kind of weight, a similar kind of construction and I I really like that and uh um so so the other the other thing about Minoltas is they've got a really great viewfinder on them as well. Um so I've, I haven't actually got any particularly fast lenses to try on this at the moment, but yeah, you know, just looking through two point eight and two point nine lenses, it looks good uh through the uh through through the viewfinder and uh I'm I've currently got uh, because I've just happened to have one of these in stock that I couldn't be bothered to sell um a Minolta thirty uh, five millimeter two point eight. Um I'd already um, slapped on a uh, my uh, what? Well, what I thought was my only uh, Minolta mount lens, which was a uh, a Meyer Optic fifty uh, millimeter two point nine triplan. Um right. And I, I, I say that was uh, Minolta mount because I um, hot glued um, the um, the Altix lens uh, to um, to an MD to M forty two adapter, um, or was it M forty two to M M forty two to MD adapter? Um, but so I, I just checked out the. Uh, the flange focal distances, and uh, and I realised that that was pretty damn close to uh, it should give me infinity. And um, and by the time I put it on there, it's actually absolutely bang on infinity. It works perfectly, um, which is uh, which, which is cool. But something strange has happened um, since having this uh, playing around with this Minolta camera. Because um, I, I I seem to be interested in other Minolta products now. Um some, something something stirring inside of me. Uh because uh, yesterday, um was it the day before, I, I managed to spot a badly listed um Minolta MC Rock core uh, fifty millimeter one point four and I've bought it. And I've bought it just simply because I want to use it on this camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so um so I'm really I'm really looking forward to uh to using uh, more Minolta lenses at the moment.
2: I don't know why you crap on Minolta lenses, man. Those <laughs> optics are sweet. Like, you know, Johnny, your first camera was in a Minolta, right?
1: Yeah, my yeah, like the, the first legit one. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, like you know, the obviously the rangefinder lenses are nice, but like the forty-five f two is one of the great budget sleeper lenses, you know. Um, and then their ultra fast lenses will they'll cover GFX. I mean, this is they're sweet optics. Yeah,
0: I I think it's. I mean, I, I'm certainly of of the opinion that they, I, I actually quite like the the later MD lenses. Uh, the, yeah, late, the, those late, the those are the best. Well, the later the lens, the better they are from from my perspective. Um, and certainly when they dropped, I'm never actually sure whether it's uh, I, I say rock but um, a lot of people and I think you say uh, rock core, um, uh, Perry. Um, yeah but uh which which whichever way it is i i if it it usually if it says rockor on there i'm i'm it sort of starts to turn me off i do actually like um all of the 50mm 1.4 uh Minolta lenses whatever they say on them um but I think my my opposition towards them was, sort of came out of in in the early days when I was listening to people talking about the the fifty eight one point two and uh, and the fast eighty five um, I think the one point seven um, lenses and they would talk about oh I love this glow uh, that it gives wide open and uh, and I'm there thinking that's horrible I absolutely hated the, this this Minolta glow I, I looked at that as being that's a problem and you've got um, what is it? Um, uh, confirmation bias uh, that uh, th- this 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 lens does terrible things, uh, but you've spent the money on it, so therefore you're 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 convincing yourself that this is some kind of special quality in the lens that, that this Minolta glow, that, which which makes it that extra bit desirable, and uh, and it pretty much stems back to that.
2: Yeah, I think I think I actually have a similar opinion of, of what people call the Leica glow. Um, where, where I kind of agree that it's it's stupid and you get a confirmation bias because if they were on any other lens, you would just say, well, that's crap.
0: Yeah, and, and you do... I mean, like, John, Johnny appears to be in my corner on this when it, with the, the later Minolta lenses. I mean, for me... That's a case. That's that's proving the point. Uh, when if a if a Minolta mafia member starts to talk about, oh, you know, the older lenses are better than that. You just you just know that they they've got a, yeah. a, a cupboard full of old old Minolta lenses. Uh,
1: I've never i i i only own MD lenses, so I don't know and don't care about the older ones. Um, the MD ones are, I mean, they're flawless. I, I think the glow is is some sort of i don't think it's actually a thing other than when people were putting them on micro four-thirds digital cameras i don't think there's any such thing as a minolta glow so i i never saw it in all the years i was shooting hundreds and hundreds of rolls of film and slide film mm. on md lenses i never
0: saw the minolta that's, glow yeah well i i don't see it either yeah that's, that's a, that's a point. it's because it's bullshit. No, it's because <laughs> it's because they're the they're the later good MD lenses. Minolta realized we better get our acts together and actually start to make some decent glass. No, and they, I, then the uh, Minolta glow disappeared. I, 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 <sighs> I think the
1: glow is just people who have never shot them on film and they're talking about shooting them on digital. I don't but, think there's any such thing as a Minolta glow. But
0: but you've admitted that you haven't been shooting the older, older lenses on film either.
1: You've been shooting the, the, the modern. Ones. Yeah. Why, why would I, you can buy the MD lenses for the same price as the older ones. Yeah. I mean, why would, why would I have no need to shoot the older ones? You know, I mean, if you less people are talking about like a 1.2, and the 1.2 lenses always look fucked up wide open. <laughs> I mean, is that a surprise to anyone? <laughs> of course they do weird things wide open. <laughs> I, I mean, there's like what, maybe one or two one point two lenses wide open that pretty much don't do any sort of weirdness, but most of them do. That's just the nature of the optics. So I don't know, whatever. I don't I don't I don't believe there's a Minolta glow on I don't believe it's a film thing. I think it's a Adapted digital bullshit thing
2: i mean e- even the pre-minolta uh slr rocores like the ones on the tlr and the chiyokos i don't know if they have the same optical lineage um as they transition companies but i don't see any glow on the chiyokos that i yeah. have They're all rocores the only right. the only minolta lens that i've seen glow on is the uh uh a little bit of that leica glow on the m rocore 40 millimeter f2 but the early version but that's probably more Leica's fault than Olympus' fault.
0: Yeah, well, this 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 glow is just—it's—it's it's just unacceptable sharp, um softness. I think right, that's, that's, that's what it is. It,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just—it's soft at a certain aperture.
0: I, yeah. I, I it's just silly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that—but to some people, that makes it more desirable. So there you go. I yeah. prefer the newer ones. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Pixel beepers
0: yeah so uh I'm just wondering if i if I've got anything else to uh to go through i do I don't think I have actually um so uh we've been putting off uh doing emails, and I think we yeah. should, uh let's, let's we should do, do a- email shouldn't we yeah yeah uh, do we want to do uh oldest first that would be by the age we- of the email we're talking there, I take it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is Barry Carr, the oldest one that, we've, that goes back to May that does we've we've really got to do Barry, haven't we? All right.
1: Well, let's start with Barry Carr, then. Uh, let me just make this a little bit bigger so I can read it. Um, uh, so Barry Carr wrote us sometime back in May, I guess. Uh, subject facebook hello johnny perry and simon i hope you're all well and staying safe in particular i hope that johnny has completely recovered from his brush with the coronavirus and is back to his old self hope you're okay i'd never had the coronavirus um i've been a listener to this fine podcast of yours since its inception and i've always wanted to be part of your online community but alas you use facebook and because i value my privacy i do not use facebook nor any of its subsidiary services so your facebook group has always been out of reach for me and i'm sure you're probably have other listeners who feel the same way so i'm thinking in light of johnny's recent ridiculous facebook bans plus facebook's ongoing contribution to the undermining western democracy the cambridge Analytica scandal past data breaches and its refusal to control fake news and conspiracy theories would now be a good time to look for an alternative venue to host your online community. If so, can I suggest discord? Uh, you'll still be able to post photos, have discussions, etc. Plus create different channels for the special interest groups within your community. For instance, a channel for film users and other for digital users. Discord even has a voice channel. Some members of the community can have a good old natter amongst themselves instead of bashing the keyboard to communicate. Um, you'll be in good company to your chums at sunny 16 podcast and Ms. Emulsive.org website already have created their own Discord server. So why not go join them in creating your own server and get down with the cool kids. I'll be happy to volunteer to help set things up. If you are of interest, just ping me and email. Keep it the good work. All the best. Cheers. Barry car.
0: Hmm. i I've, I mean, I've certainly I've heard of um, of yeah, I'm sounding very old now. Um, I've heard of Discord. Um, I am aware of, it, of its existence, um, and uh, yeah, I was I was aware that uh, there is one for Sunday Sixteen. I wasn't aware of uh, M's uh, Discord uh, channel or whatever it is. Um, it's I think there's it's it's probably comes under inertia, doesn't it? I I I guess. Um, because there are other means of uh, of um, of chatting to each other and um, communicating and so on, and you get very comfortable. Um, I know that uh, Johnny's not a particular fan of, of of Facebook. In fact, the only reason that we use it is because of what we actually do, and it just works right. um, for 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 what we do, and it works very very well. Um, this Discord, it um, it's Because I'm not part of it, I wonder. I don't. I don't really know enough about it, um, and like how vibrant that community is. Because it's, or I guess it's as vibrant as you can potentially make it, I suppose. But the the concern I would have is like, would it ever actually grow to be the size of what we have in Facebook? And 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 I'm not one of these people that's obsessed by growing the size of our our facebook group have been there and done that with photography with classic lenses and we have quite a different um way of doing things with um uh without our facebook group that that's you know we we only let people in that pretty much um show themselves to be uh, to be engaged um so we and And I think our Facebook group works very very well as re- as a result of that um, mm-hmm. and i I just worry that if we had the same kind of attitude on a on a, on a new platform that 's new to us at least, will we end up with a situation where there 's only about twenty or thirty people on it, and I like that diversity of opinions rather than a, a relatively small community so for for me it 's something that I, 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 I do need to look into this more. Um and I certainly can't I wouldn't commit myself at least uh to, to, to heading down that way until that I know more about it. I don't know about you guys.
2: Uh I I'm the youngest one here and the only one I only thing I know about Discord is it's what like the little <laughs> kids use to chat about gaming. I don't know anything about it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I think it's just a matter of it, you know, Facebook is just the platform of choice right now. And it's where people are. It's sort of like the same problem with having a website or a blog. Yeah. It's like they're islands. You have to invite people to come to your special Island versus they're already on the continent of Facebook. They're just there. So it's, I think it's a, a you know, a, just a product of
0: convenience more than anything else. Mm. So I, 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 I mean, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's it's an interesting one though because you, know, you do you do get uh, you know a whole know I've 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 not- noticed this when in in podcasting that you, there are different sets of communities yeah. out there and and there's like bubbles and all this kind of stuff and and sometimes you find yourself out of out of that bubble and you're in a in a different area. And it's full of people. You haven't got a clue who they are and they don't know who you are. And, uh, and you're doing things in the same kind of area, same kind of space. And it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite disorientating at times. I think, well, where, where have all these people been? And they're just not on Facebook. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I think it, it deserves some attention and, uh, and uh, i'll certainly take a take a look at it but i i don't want you to hold hold your breath on that Barry.
1: yeah i don't know i'm i'm on sunny sixteen and I can't even find their discord <laughs> thing so or emulsive so i i mean strike strike one strike two i i don't know i don't
0: I, anyway <laughs> okay i'll 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 check out i'll try and go searching for the sunny sixteen yeah. at least and then uh i'll take take it take it from there
1: all right um Next up, we have um, well, we have an email from Robbie J. Uh, and a relatively recent one, June 20th. He says, question about external viewfinders. Hi, Simon, Perry, and Johnny. I have a question for you about external viewfinders. I own a 17 millimeter M-mount lens, the MS Optics 17 Perrar. Uh, and I've been shooting it adapted to my Fuji, but I'm eager to try it out on film with my BESA R2 which would require an external viewfinder. Can you recommend a specific brand or type of finder for this lens? Also, uh, I might at some point in the future acquire Voigtlander 15 millimeter. Is it possible to use a 15 finder for both focal lengths by way of masking with gaff tape? Or is it a bad idea? Thanks very much. Keep up the good work. Best Robbie J, Chicago, Illinois. Uh,
2: yeah, we, Robbie and I were having a lengthy discussion about this um, the last couple days or so. And to me, two things make sense, either um, to get the closest approximation, because there are no 17 millimeter finder. So the closest one would be the 18 millimeter Zeiss finder uh, that is for the 18 millimeter ZM. Or um, I guess you could get away with using the 15 millimeter finder and sort of guessing yeah. um, and framing like with 10 to 15 percent of the outside of the frame, you know, is not going to be there. Uh, and then that would be the more practical choice because then if you do get a Voigtländer 15 millimeter lens, then you can sort of swap between the two.
1: Yeah, that's what I would do because I mean, 17 and 15 are so wide that the viewfinder is really just an approximation anyway, unless you get the really really nice uh, metal finder, like the Voigtländer 17 uh, millimeter, 15 millimeter metal finder. But one it Yeah, it's awesome. No, no, the Novak has it um oh, it, wow. it looks just like the 35 finder but it's 17 oh
2: yeah whoa that's crazy
1: yeah but the the plastic one works great and it's like especially on the sides it's just an approximation anyway so i would mm. i mean to me that's so wide that you can't do precise framing any anyway with anything under 20 millimeters so uh-huh. i would just get the 15 and use it for 17 and knowing that it's going to be about right
2: is going to yeah. be
1: close enough i mean I would it ask. doesn't
2: the fifteen, the pl- I have that one too. The plastic one. It doesn't have frame lines, right?
1: No, it's just a right. No frame. Yeah. Right. So you're,
2: you know, most of the time you're not looking at the edges of the viewfinder, right? Uh, when you're right. framing, anyway, you're looking at your subject, and then you kind of see just sort of how much you're getting in.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, so I think, you know, that's not really a lens you would use for precise framing anyway. The MS right. Optics Seventeen per R, because um, not like you gonna shoot architecture with a lens that that's crazy like that yeah right uh yeah so so you, you might you might do well with um just just yeah. the fifteen, and then,
1: and, and, and they're good. they're easy to get they're floating around out there you could yeah. you know i'm sure there's a bunch of them on ebay so that's just a really easy to me it's just the easiest solution so yeah, i makes- suppose you could get the like a 20 millimeter finder but it's going to be significantly wider than that so I'd rather yes. use a. I'd rather use a wider finder and cheat it a little bit on the edges than,
2: you know, the other way around. So, uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, I think it depends on the application because for some lenses, like for example, like a forty-five millimeter lens, I would much rather use a fifty millimeter finder and know there's going to be a little bit more on the outside.
3: Yeah.
2: As opposed to, but in this case, I, I see what you mean. The other, the other one, I mean, if he wants to go really nuts, is he could get the sixteen millimeter finder of the Hologon. You know the Contax G2, Uh yeah. came with a 16 millimeters Zeiss hologon, and then there's like this insane dedicated finder for it.
1: Yeah, it's just going to um, cost as much as a lens. So.
2: Is it, no, exactly. That would just be for pure extravagance at that point. Yeah, right. right. And also because right, it looks right. like it looks like a stormtrooper that uh, that finder, so that's kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's there's probably no point to mask it off as well.
1: No, I I, I, don't, I just. Just you just it's super wide. Just go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. just you, I mean you just approximate. It's gonna, you know, it's not gonna be exact. So it's all good. It'll work fine. Um all right, David Blumenstein, uh Sunday, 7th of June. Thanks, guys, slash t shirts. Just listen to the episode about central camera. I was very sorry to hear about what happened, but Simon simultaneously very moved by the footage of Don Flesh failing to be baited by the reporter into dumping on protesters slash looters, wishing him and Johnny the very best in getting back to work. Also, thanks to all of you. Uh, it's been a tough time for just about everyone and listening to the show and going out shooting with my family have been part of keeping me sane. And slowly I'm getting a little better at taking pictures. Also, chat info have helped me spot good deals when I see them. You mentioned doing T-shirts. I don't think you asked for feedback on this, but I would suggest doing relatable designs for listeners slash photographers as opposed to simply show logo a black shirt. Simply reading Bokake Monster would suit me fine, though maybe it's not for everyone. Uh, let me know if you have something drawn that is my – If wait, let me know if you need something drawn as that is my biz, and I'd be happy to help. Cheers, David. So – um, I, I, yeah, I don't know what you guys want to say about t-shirts. I don't know if everybody's comfortable with that yet.
0: Yeah, well, some, yeah, go for it. There's definitely somebody's somebody's uh, comfortable with it because we have actually sold at shirts t-shirt, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is which is impressive for seeing that we haven't actually. Uh, given out any addresses or information somebody's actively um, found the site and bought, yeah. bought a t-shirt so um, um, I don't know if we want to embarrass that person or not, but we know who you <laughs> are and thank you very very much um, yeah um, so
1: if, if you go to com and click on merchandise you can buy t-shirts they are there um, it's we're just getting started with that and there will definitely be more designs coming but you know we can always add more in as we go along Uh, but so for now you can go buy the boring logo t-shirt or you can go buy the Bokake ball cap, um, and a couple of other things and you can buy some stickers. There's stickers there, there too. Uh, so yeah, they're there. They're out there. We just haven't been promoting it. Um, and we will definitely be doing, we have lots of ideas for other shirts. Um, so we can be doing more in the future and, um, yeah i mean we could theoretically take you up on that offer david
0: i think it's 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 certainly the case i mean if people uh, want to uh either to write in uh, if you're not on facebook uh, but if you are on facebook then that's obviously the the easiest place to uh communicate with us in our facebook group um so if uh, if there are any specific designs uh, that that people want uh to see on t-shirts then you know we've Within our abilities, we could uh, we could we could work with that. I mean, as uh, Johnny has said, there we've we've had some discussions about what what we might want, and we just what's up there at the moment is that is the bare bones, and you yeah. Uh, know yeah, it's just a, it's 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 almost a placeholder, if you like, um because there are definitely some uh, some things that we want to see happen on there. But you know, as much as we've thought of quite a few things, there there may well be some things out there that we haven't thought of. So yeah, we're all we're all ears on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like I said, there's there's logo t shirts, there's we have a hoodie, we have stickers, we have the Bokake Camo ball cap. Um, we have a be like be like Carl shirt. Uh we have a have more film in your pocket shirt. So there's there's a few things up there right now, which is just me goofing off making t shirts. Um and we'll definitely have more stuff in the future. So yeah, but if you want to grab something, they're they're out there and they're out there and ready to go. Yeah,
2: yeah. Just, just don't ask us to put our faces on the shirts. No. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And no one wants that anyway. Exactly.
0: Nobody wants that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think we've actually caught up on our emails now. Huzzah. That's incredible. Um, so um, I, I'm guessing we're getting to that point now where we're going to start winding down unless there's something, any burning issues that we uh, we need to cover. Wow. No. Okay, I'll uh, I'll take that as a no. And um, so this is a good time to thank uh, Nigel Cliff uh, for donating to us last week. And they say us is actually donating to uh, the Central Camera Fund. Uh, Anything that comes through to us this month is heading over to Central Camera. Um, and it's also worth noting that the best way to help Central Camera is actually donating directly to... Central camera, and we'll put a uh, a link uh, to how you can actually do that in our in our notes. Uh, but um, Nigel has uh, donated to us, and uh, and he is saying he has now struck off uh, the Exacta RTL thousand offers wish list. <laughs> thanks, thanks to you, Johnny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good, good to hear. Save, save, saving the world one Exacta uh, RTL one thousand at a time.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering if it's actually still up there, but. So, uh, it's 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 interesting some people are trying to get really strong money for those things and um and it's it's so crazy yeah.
1: that's like people who think those cameras are actually cameras it's oh, it's man. one step above a camera so yeah um, there's 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 no reason to pay lots to, of money for one of those cameras
0: there are some absolutely bonkers prices for things on ebay at the moment i've I don't know if it's yeah. a new thing, but I've spent a little bit bit more time on uh, eBay recently, and I just I'm in disbelief over some of the prices I'm I'm seeing um, for things. Yeah, you know, literally two or three times the value, and I'm thinking, well, do I, I, I do wonder about this? Whether whether people put these incredibly um, high priced items on there? Not things that deserve to be high priced just just you know, normal things or good things that are worth you know, far less than they're asking for them. And are, are they trying to dupe people into it? Do they really believe <laughs> that these things? Are, that means some, some of these sellers appear to know what they're doing. And I'm thinking, you know, I've had some things that, you know, my, the, the stuff I sell is not cheap. And I'm, I'm the first to, to admit that, uh, but at the end of the day, you're buying off somebody that, well, one, you can listen to every week, um, but more to the point, you know, I describe things well. If something is is not right, you can send it back. I work on exactly the same basis as a as a as a shop, um, whereas you know you can buy, get bargains on eBay because you're buying off somebody that's found something in the loft, or it's just somebody that's got the gear and they don't want it anymore. And and you can, that's not to say that you can't get good things from people that don't know what they're talking about because you absolutely can. But when people who do seem to know what they're talking about are, are putting things on for exorbitant prices yeah i mean things like the <sighs> um the the petri kubayashi um uh, 50 mil f2s um i think there's a couple on there they're on like around about 150 200 pounds that that kind of value and it's mm-hmm. it's no shock to me in the slightest that they've been up there for for some time and they keep getting relisted um but i just just wonder what do people actually overpay overpay for these things to make the make these sellers do this it's sort of you know i had this i used to go around and around with this
1: with the boss at central camera um (laughs) because it's like if, if if one thing sold once for x number of dollars then that's what you list it for and then it sits there for three years and it doesn't ever sell or you just look at the price things actually sell for and they sell like in three days. So (laughs) that's just two different strategies. (laughs) And I mean, if people, if people can afford to just sit on that thing forever until somebody thinks that they want to pay that much for it, then I guess it's all good, (laughs) but it's all a matter of priorities.
2: (sighs) I I mean, if it is something that is super, super rare, um i kind of get listing it at an insane price because if there's some collector out there who wants it bad enough they'll just pay right whatever you ask for because they just want one and it's like impossible to find but if it's like if it's like an exact rtl 1000 or something (laughs) right you know not exactly (laughs) rare uh it does make you scratch your head a little bit right it's like are you just hoping that someone is you know someone reads an article online saying that this is a good camera and then they just go and click on the first thing they find i mean some people do that right you know um it if you're if you're if you're going grocery shopping even you know if you go to you can get the exact same thing from two different grocery shops and one can be like triple the price of another and and a lot of people don't care so i think there is a certain degree to which uh you know the buyer is not always looking for a bargain. They just, if they decide they want something, they just go buy one. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I mean, there, there must that sort of perspective makes sense. But do people buy vintage cameras like that? I don't know. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. I.
1: I. There. I, I guess some people do. I mean, it's like that whole go Kevin cameras guy, mm. who's got the insanely rare items in super mint condition and he just puts them up at whatever price and the person who really wants to pay a premium for yeah rarity and you know and quality can do that yeah (laughs) so right i mean it's
2: i don't know well i mean he's in hong kong i've I've almost bought from him um for precisely that reason right it's like i want this you're the only one who has it right but at the same time i but you know there have been times where i've wanted something only one person has it either on eBay or Lopey, and I just buy it at whatever price. But for him, the fact that I know that he lists everything at like stupid prices, right? Uh, it actually makes me not buy from him. Right. Because he, he's the only person on the planet who has this lens that I want. Yeah. I go, you are charging like three times more than I should be able to get this for. So I'm going to keep looking because someone is going to sell it uh, right. for like a fraction of what you're selling it for. Yeah. I, I use him I, as a benchmark for like this price is way too high.
1: Right. Yeah. I, just, I, I use him as like a reference site. Like if like, if you can't find something, he probably has it, but I would never in a million years buy anything from him because, exactly. because he's just, it's so over the top price wise. Yeah. Um, so like under no circumstances would I ever buy anything from that person because he, he just throws up these wildly inflated prices that, someone might just decide to buy at but they're not for normal people they're
0: for like that one collector that really wants something yeah well this 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 comes comes around to um the fact that this this Minolta—I didn't mention it earlier—but uh, we've just, just been talking about the RTL thousand again, um, and the reason why this Minolta came about is because um, Johnny was saying that well, just get an Exacto adapter to put onto the Minolta, and so I looked at the prices of them and they were they they, they weren't cheap. But I got the I got the camera at the right price, so uh, and now I want I want the the adapter, but the adapter, I think the cheapest one is about sixty pounds. Uh, oh. And then there's another one that's um, I think about eighty eighty pounds plus, but it's actually got something else with it as well. Um, but I'm loath to pay sixty pounds
1: for, for um, an Exacto
0: to Minolta adapter. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and that's the cheapest yeah. one.
2: And yeah, I mean, it, and if you want it badly enough, you know. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm, yeah. Lo- I'm looking at it. I can I can press that button. I'm thinking that it's just it's too much. You know, yeah, you know and I've, um, I've got the camera sitting here waiting to be used. I've got a Biotar that wants to go on it. You know, a the, the 75 millimeter Biotar that wants to go on it. And it's just, I don't know, it's its twice as much as I think it should be, it should be on yeah. sale for.
2: You know, I was watching for the longest time the only uh, Leica LTM to Olympus Pen-F adapter on eBay. Um, but it was selling for like 200 US dollars. And someone bought it yesterday is gone
1: yeah those are like collector i mean those original pen f adapters are like in collector territory because they're just i have all of them except canon because why would i want a canon adapter
2: (laughs) um uh what's that canon fd yeah canon fd oh geez i did why would they make that
1: yeah exactly um but i mean they they're just those are just super some of them are just super rare and they're old i mean they're 60 50 plus years old
2: yeah yeah um, they're beautiful but still i mean yeah. part.
1: but i mean like the uh, minolta to exacta those are jesus i'm seriously. we had we had like a tray full of stuff like that at central and it, there was no, nothing but i mean it's just the i guess you got to you have to find an a um uh, I I don't know. I guess you got to find a vintage one, more or less.
0: Oh um, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, like that's what I have on mine. It's just a vintage. It's just a metal ring. I mean, it's a really simple adapter, mm. but they're they're but they're vintage. So yeah, you know, I mean,
0: just just to play play the other other side of this now. Yeah, because I'm I'm moaning as a as a consumer, but there I am trying to sell things for as much as I can. You know, because that's 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 how I make my living. And if this if this thing just came into my lap and I I got it, you know, I had no interest in it and I was going to sell it, then uh, yeah, but this is the kind of thing that gets found in the bottom of a box when you buy a load of other stuff. Yeah, and like, oh, look totally. At that. And, and it effectively owes you nothing. And I would go onto eBay and I would say, well, how much did the last one sell for? And the last right. one sold, sold. I, I can't remember. It was either fifty pounds or no, no, tell lie. There was one that sold um by itself i think for either 50 or 60 pounds and then there was another one that was sold as a pair uh with an m42 and an exactor and the and the pair went for about 25 pounds yeah and uh and so for me as a seller i would think well how much would i sell this for and uh, yeah the fact that there's one sitting there at like about 80 odd pounds and another one sitting at 60 um the chances are I'd probably put it on at £60 and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And, but the, the, the question is how long would I leave it up there and how long are these other people going to leave it up at those those high prices? And eventually yeah. I, I, I do wear myself down and think, okay, I'm not going to get this. I'm going to drop the price. And I've done that on a few things on my site today. Uh, which you've, you've got to, but there's no point in just having the, having something sitting there because you want X amount, or even if it's cost you a relatively high amount, it's no point just having your, your money tied up in something that nobody's ever going to buy at, at that price just so you can get back what you paid for it because you made a mistake when you bought it or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it,
1: the, they'll event, it, you'll eventually find one. I mean, it's like one of those things where you just you just set a search up for it, and somebody will eventually post one for a decent. I mean, that's how I got all my PENF adapters. I got most of them cheap. I just it was just like I had to wait it out for them to show up. Um, but uh, yeah, they they show up eventually. You know, I mean, it's just one of those. Well, they they, they do, yeah, things. but things,
0: things don't never show up when you're looking for one, do they? That's, right, that, that's, right, yeah. totally. And, and that's always been the advice I've been I've I've given to people when when they say, "Oh, how did you manage to get that at such a, such a price?" And and the the simple answer was, I wasn't looking for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, very 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 few things actually come into my lap that I specifically wanted, and I, and I, you know that's just pure luck. Um, I think the best thing is to have uh, is to want lots of things <laughs> and uh, and wait for one of those things to turn up but uh, eBay searches are great um, for that although it 's been quite a while since i 've actually found anything on an eBay search uh, Because usually once when something does turn up they're, oh that 's it and the price is right i click click on the on the email oh it 's gone you know, uh, yeah.
1: H- yeah. Oh, hold on simon i 'm going to just let me just turn on my webcam. I mean, demute.
0: <laughs> you're going to upset me now, and you're going to, you're going to. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I was expecting yeah, this, yeah.
1: That's the, that's oh, what you're looking for, right well. there, right? Oh, yeah. that's the one. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I got this at central for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> there you, there you go. Um,
0: imagine, imagine the 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 rest of them have been looted as well, haven't they? Now,
1: <laughs> I
3: mean, you,
0: you. Oh, I think Johnny's just. Oh, he's dropped out of the car.
2: Um, he back? Hey, he's back. Cool. Yeah. Webcam killed your connection. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it. It uh, the, the bottom of the box thing totally happens quite a lot. I had an eBay seller uh, a while ago who I bought. I think I bought a 25 millimeter Canon uh, LTM lens off this seller. And um, she she was selling a bunch of just stuff that she dug up from like her grandparents' attic or something. Uh, and she sent me a picture with just a bunch of random Leica like, crap in it. And she's like, Do you want any of this stuff? Um, ooh, look at that. And I was like, No, I don't I don't want anything uh that you have in this picture because it's all kind of either it's common or I have it already. But then I told her, You have one thing in there, uh, it's a snoo, and that thing is worth a ton, um, which is oh, like a collectible is. trigger winder for uh for Barnack Leicas. And she had no idea that thing was worth like a thousand dollars to collectors, um, and was very, very happy with uh with that exchange. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's the Minolta E adapter.
2: Yeah, I've Mounted
1: seen, it on the, and it, it's nice because it's one of those adapters that it comes with a um, a little tool, so you can really lock it tight tight into place. So it's, I mean, it looks like and behaves like a native exact amount. It's not like there's no play or anything. It's like it's just. Native so, to the camera. At so that if point. you
0: if you haven't got the tool, how how much of a problem is that going to cause you?
1: It wouldn't be any problem. I mean, yeah. you'll you'll still get it on there, super tight, and you could make your. The tool is really simple. You could even use a pair of pliers. The tool is just one of these things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where, I've, I've seen them. Right. I've seen them. With, yeah. M forty two and stuff like yeah, that. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. it's just
1: got the two pins. So I mean, you could really, you could even make your own.
0: Yeah. Well, this- uh, but it's. But it's still going to lock in. Yeah, this, this this gives me a bit of an in here now. Yeah, because it's I'm going to email uh, the, the 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 cheaper seller at least and and say you know have you have you is it complete with the tool? And yeah, he'll, right. He will then say no, and I say, oh, that's a shame, and yeah. uh, and um, see if it comes down to a, a, a more sensible price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good strategy,
2: especially because you're not chasing something that's trending. Right, you're doing this because you want to use your biotar. So there aren't a ton of people out there, you know, chasing Minolta Exacta adapters. No. So you may be, you know, driving, you know, percent of that demand, right?
0: Yeah, and, yeah. and I think there's evidence of that that this podcast is it does does not actually drive prices up or uh, and uh, cause that much of a uh, problem because as that that Exacta RTL thousand is still for sale. Um, so, well, so I think that's 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 proof uh, that we're not inducing too much gas yeah. in people. Man, trends are weird. You, you you know you know what's trending here
2: in Hong Kong? Um, Foca Oklar fifty one point nine lens. You
0: guys heard of that? I I I know the the brand. i have not not come across that particular lens. Yeah, it's like a weird. I think it's an old French rangefinder. Yeah, they all uh, yeah.
3: show.
2: And um, the fifty one point nine is just popping up everywhere people are sharing pictures of it people are selling them and I'm like okay the price on this thing is going up like crazy uh, but it's going to go down again because this doesn't look like one of those things that has lasting appeal it's just like someone posts some pictures while digging around and people think it looks cool and then a couple weeks later it's on to the next thing
1: mm. Here's a, I, there's a the same one I just held up wait no it's an M39 never mind
0: yeah, I've seen okay. I've seen those. You've, the, you've the, seen
1: that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, I've I've uh, there's a, there's we're supposed to be saying goodbye at the moment, aren't we? Um but there's um there's a, the uh, Hamish has just come out with an article uh, in thirty five MNC uh, talking about his uh, his his Pentax gas, Pentax SLR gas. Um <laughs> And I've not read the article yet, but I can get I can get a bit of a gist as to where 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 it's going with it because I I do seem to be having the same issue with Minolta at the moment. I've been just trying to find this 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 adapter has had me f five refreshing eBay for Minolta searches just see sort of <laughs> what the next thing that came came up. That's how I actually ended up with a fifty one point four Minolta on it that's on its way to me at the moment. Um, so I'm thinking, oh that's nice, that's a nice lens. That's a uh, you know and. Uh, yeah, I really fancy a motor drive as well. <laughs> it's a yeah, of, I a the motor motor drives, drives are
1: really nice for Minolta because they're they're small. They're not like ridiculous Nikon size drives. They're actually just a small little.
0: Yeah, but I want the big one. I want the uh, the motor drive <laughs> one. I think it is. Yeah, that that <laughs> brings the it adds a grip to it. So I used to have one with my uh, Contax One Five Nine MM, and um, that was great. I, I I hated using that camera without the motor wind after a bought the motor wind um it just just felt that was better um plus i'm thinking you know there I am, i'm i want to use it with this uh this this biotar 75 1.5 and you know, that means i'm going to be like shooting models all the time on the catwalk and things so you know I, I need the uh i need the i need the motor drive don't i it's it's logical because that's obviously what's going to happen once i get that that set up
2: um johnny on the Uh, On the adapter you just showed on your camera, the Mm exacted to Minolta, is the lens release on the bottom?
1: Yeah, it's well, that's where the so uh, here I'll for all you listeners at home who can't see the video, I'll pull this up and so yeah, it's it aligns to where the locking mechanism. There's a so there's a pin right on the exacta lens right
2: usually on the exact that leave that uh, unlock lever is on the right hand side if you're looking at the lens
1: well that's because exactas are retarded um, and you know it's got the shutter button in the wrong place and everything so with these uh, your your infinity let me just see if I can line it up here so when it's at it no it does it line up uh, no. So it's rotated.
3: Okay, so right? it's like ninety degrees rotated. Yeah,
1: but I mean, if you think about it, it it makes the most sense to place it here on a Minolta because you don't want to interfere with the lens mount button or the cable release or all you know. So it's down where it's out of the uh, way, essentially. Uh, and because it's an SLR, what's the difference? You know what I mean? And if you, I mean, it, it's you can see it, and it's not like your depth of field scale is quite as important anyway. Right, um, right, right. That's so. That's the one compromise you're making. So, like, at, at when this lens is focused out at infinity, the you probably don't really see it, but the dot, the infinity dot at the top is at like one meter, right? Right,
3: so, right, right.
1: It, so the infinity lines up at the basically the bottom of the lens rather than the top, but uh, it's it's to it's to keep the locking lever in a m- more logical place, which it totally is. I mean, it's it doesn't like jut out or anything. It's right at the bottom. Right. Gotcha. Um, And it works great. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really good adapter. So yeah, they just kind of made that compromise for the sake of usefulness, you know?
0: So there you go. There you go. So, uh, um, let's, let's, let's say goodbye, shall we? Uh, (laughs) Um, we haven't done a very good job of doing that so far, but we should. Um, so, uh, Perry outside of this podcast, where can people find you?
2: uh you can find
0: me on instagram and Flickr at perry g and johnny i know that nobody's going to find you apart from robbie j of course
1: yeah pretty much uh only you'll only gonna find me uh hanging around in the
0: our facebook page probably okay and if people anybody wants to get in touch with the with us on the show
1: uh classic lenses podcast at com is the best place to go or just go to the website and if you go to the website you can send an email from there you can also
0: find the t-shirts there as well yeah. except don't don't send an email from there because it'll go into my spam and i'll never right see it. exactly yeah and oh there's there's a point there's uh the best vintage lens uh feed has been rejuvenated uh oh has it it has it has are you are you unaware of that I was unaware of that yet. Oh my word, you need you need to head yourself over there because there's a new guest writer um for snarky reviews of our, our Oh that's podcast. right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's right. And it's somebody we know well, isn't it, Johnny?
1: It it is it is. It is the it is the Novak. <laughs> it is.
0: It is. So um so yeah, if you if you want to know what Mike thinks of uh, of, of the podcast, um, then it's well worth heading over to Best Vintage Lens. So uh, so that, that's all good. Um, anything else? Anything else? Well, there's me. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Simon 4 I have a website which is simonforsterphotographic.co.uk, which is also the name of my account on Instagram. And on my website and on my Facebook page, you can buy some of the. Uh, uh, items I sell, and um, certainly lots of lots of lens caps uh, of different designs. Um, and I'm going to be moving into some other things soon. So, uh, but lens lens caps, loads and loads of lens ca- lens caps for uh, um, odd systems. And uh, pretty soon there'll be eye will be on there, and uh, some some other weird and wonderful things as well. Um, so that's that's pretty much it. Our um, theme music is by kevin mcleod of incompetech.com and that's it so i hope you've enjoyed this week's show and if you can be like Carl.